I know the official summer in Canada is from um, Victoria Day, which is the weekend before Memorial Day and ends on Labor Day when the Canadian National uh, Exhibition ends, which is like a big kind of like state fair. But it's episode number 35 of the Dev Hell Podcast. I hope everyone who's listening had a good summer. I know I had an awesome summer of being totally overcommitted and playing softball and doing all sorts of other crazy stuff. And Ed did what I jokingly refer to as the summer of craziness, where he went around to a whole bunch of different conferences and did his open sourcing mental illness talk. And so mm-hmm. we're finally back, Ed. We finally yes. got our schedules in sync so we can talk. The summer of funk sanity. So, I oh, I like summer of funk sanity. I like that. Yeah, that's that's basically over. Um, so before we get into this, yeah. before we get into the summer, we can talk for a couple of minutes about the. Uh, so I've been using this phrase way too often lately. The shit show that is <laughs> uh, that is PHP internals for those. So for those listeners who are perhaps not familiar, or actually maybe many of them are about as familiar with it as I am. The um, internal mailing list, well, the the mailing list for PHP internals, which is people who are interested in like guiding the language and discussing things and trying to solve problems with the language itself, getting new features in and and fixing bugs, is um, legendary for its nastiness and overall dysfunctionality. I don't even know if that's a a word. Um, Is that a word? But I like that, dysfunctionality. Um, And so um, as a result, PHP kind of suffers from lack of a cohesive vision and direction where you have all these contributors, many of them who are are pretty much invisible to the uh, community that uses PHP. I know when I see people's names mentioned many, many times, I'm like, I have no idea who that person is. I've never heard of that person, yet they're a major contributor to the language. Never heard, uh-huh. never heard them, never heard them talk, never seen them uh, blog about stuff, all that stuff. So there's like a whole group of like invisible people who are technically skilled enough in C and understanding parsers and all this other wonderful stuff that creates one humongous massive barrier to entry to anyone who wants to like patch um, PHP and do stuff. And so as a result, the mailing list sounds like a really super hostile place where people have staked out their territory and are determined to defend it um, no matter what the cost. And a lot of the most recent set of discussion was spurred on by Anthony Ferreira, who is IRC Maxell on on IRC and on Twitter, where Anthony has been doing a lot of good work proposing a lot of stuff and just he was he made a bunch of proposals to do stuff and people just focused on the minutia and tore it apart and refused to really address any of the real issues that he was bringing up. And so he uh, quite correctly decided to take his ball and go home and delete all his proposals and just say, I I don't want to cope with this anymore. So I know I don't want to cover this too much because really it doesn't do much PHP anymore. And I don't have any intention of ever learning enough C in order to actually patch PHP because frankly, for a person with my level of temper, I would never last very long on the mailing list. So, (laughs) um, and, and it's, you know, you kind of get the feeling that PHP is kind of succeeding in spite of itself. And, and let's make no mistake, PHP is still a super successful open source project just simply because the sheer number of, of web applications that are built using it. It's on a ridiculous number of shared hosts. I think the estimates run from anywhere from, depending on what numbers you look at, 50 to 70% of all websites are powered by PHP and or or have PHP available to them, which is a ridiculous amount. 
um, yes. when you think about it. And toxic communities, they exist across all sorts of open source um, projects. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is not something that... It's not something unique to PHP, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and before I, I get Ed's comments, I can kind of speak from my own experience on leading communities. So as people know, I've been doing the um, the simulation baseball thing. Now, this is like my 18th season doing it. And I was the commissioner of the league um, for 10 years. And um, and my job as commissioner was to, like, make sure collect all the results, make sure people were getting their stuff in on time. And even in that little group of 24 um, grown male adults, um, there were people doing stupid stuff and people attempting to do things that would be toxic to the community. And, the, the you know, and it was just I, I've always found it interesting on um, how I could nudge people to keep things um keep things in line and how it wasn't really that hard when it was established that there was some kind of benevolent dictator for life who was going to have the final say on, on all the key critical things that would propel the project as a whole forward that all the other stuff would take care of itself. But when it came down to it, I could, I had the, I had the ability um, to put my foot down and say, no, this is how it's going to be. And everyone's going to um, kiss the ring or kneel before Zod and get it all done and do things the way that I want, want it done because I'm the one you guys decided was in charge. Um, so this wasn't a coding project. It's just more like people would be threatening stuff like we would have to hand out penalties for people submitting stuff late. And so every year it was the same people doing the same things to make their stuff late. And it was always the same people also threatening to quit if we were to apply penalties. And of course, those people would never quit when I did a plan, uh. when I did. So it was always, I learned the thing was whenever you have a project and you have a whole bunch of people dissenting and claiming that they're going to not contribute anymore or they're going to leave, I found the thing was just to say, you know what? I don't beg anybody to stay. Uh, you want to go? Go ahead and leave. So it's, you know, that's just how it is. And with PHP, it's a shame that Anthony um, has decided that he can no longer tolerate what really sounds like just infantile behavior by people around the list. And I don't buy the excuses where people say, well, X has done so much for the language, you got to cut them some slack. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, being an asshole myself, I know an asshole is an asshole. And it doesn't matter whether you've done one thing or a hundred things. It's the, be- it's the behavior that matters. And it's, the, more, the more the internals list is hostile to new ideas, the group of people who are willing to tough it out and continue working on the core language itself gets smaller and smaller. And I, I hesitate, well, not hesitate, I wonder if we're at that tipping point where the people who are responsible for the maintaining of the language and development of new features are so far removed from the people who use the language that there's, that there's an obs, there's like, you know, uh, it's an obstacle that can't be overcome. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, I actually, it's funny. I'm actually working on PHP stuff right now. Like my current project is in PHP and, uh, uh, it's, it's actually been kind of nice to get back into it because it's like an old familiar friend who you know has lots of warts, but and is but he's still your buddy, right? Your good old buddy, um, and I'm comfortable with it. So uh, you know, it's it's a this is a little slightly more relevant to uh, uh, currently what I'm working on, but um, I, I guess it's a it you know it's just a cultural thing with PHP is that it's never been the kind of environment where they were excited about 
about helping people and building a community. Um, there are people like that who work with PHP, but I don't think that comes out of what I would call uh, the language sort of community, which is different than there's lots of project communities that uh, that use PHP, and I think they are there's very little cross-pollination between those things. Like, I think there's a gigantic Drupal community and a gigantic oh, yeah, WordPress, Drupal, yeah, uh, and and WordPress, WordPress and Joomla yeah. and, 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 and Sugar CRM and, and, and there's all these projects and I don't really think they, they are aware or think very much about what I would call sort of like the PHP language community. Um, and that language community is not just people who work on internals and are interested in the workings of the inter you know the PHP interpreter, but people who are just sort of like who who are just interested in the language itself and not a particular project that happens to be built on top of the language. Um, so, uh, I you know I I I think that it's just that it's always been the nature of it, and uh, communities take their lead from from their leaders and the, and if their leaders in, in, in you know the, the leaders of the PHP uh, project uh, have you know chosen to take a very hands-off approach to things for the most part and so that's kind of just how it works and the things you would need to do to change how that happens to change what happens in that group in that the culture of that community are things that my experience in my experience folks are not really excited about doing things like a i you know I, I people get scared of the word mission statement but actually i think having some kind of statement of purpose for a project is a really good idea because it helps guide like the decisions that you make down the road if you state this is why this we're doing this and it kind of keeps that in line I did that with uh, with Spaz, and I think that um, I think other projects have you know have benefited benefit from that because it helps them. It kind of helps keep in mind why they're doing this. Um, uh, establishing things like you know uh, an organization that maybe funds uh, things like outreach, uh, uh, advocacy of users, advocacy of developers, you know, things of that nature. And those are things where I'm not excited about bureaucracy in general, but I think a I think a minimum layer of organization and agreement on structure is uh, a good thing. And I think it goes a little bit beyond kind of making a mailing list and stuff like that. There's been, a, and obviously there's a few things. I mean, anyone who's participated in or looked at all at internals knows that there's, you know, there's an RFC process and stuff like that. And there didn't even used to be, I mean, it used to be very like apparently much more chaotic. Um, and it seems like the past few years they've gotten sort of a little bit better about that, but there doesn't, I, I would not say there's any like vein running through the culture of let's make this a friendly community. Like, I don't think that that is fundamentally something people are interested in. And I think that's kind of a bummer because I think ultimately how you treat other people and the impact you have on them directly in their lives um, 
is sort of how people should be measured and ultimate. So, so the way I would run a given project is not how they've chosen to do that. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, I guess I've kind of accepted that and it doesn't surprise me that somebody like, um, uh, Anthony got burned out because I saw, you know, I saw how enthusiastic he was and how much time he put into this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you just got, you've got, you are way less cynical and putting way more time into this than I would have. And the thing is, I'm, I'm just utterly not shocked that he got so sick of it that he just quit because I think that's what's, that's what happens. And if, if if they if they really care about that and making and tr- making that and want to make that not happen again, they would have done something about it years ago. Agreed. And but they haven't. It's it, he's not he's not the first guy I've seen this. I mean, I've been working in PHP for over ten years. Uh, he's not the first person I've ever seen this happen to, and he's not going to be the last. And either you uh, say fundamentally the way that I measure the success of this project is going to be different than how I've measured it before. And this is what we need to do to accomplish that. And you make those probably pretty radical changes and you're going to upset a lot of people, a lot of people who contribute a lot to that language because that's where they're comfortable. And you're going to make a lot of people super uncomfortable. Um, either you do that or don't bother, right? And take it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. But uh, don't expect something from it that is deeply unlikely to happen. Right. Anyway, so the too long didn't read too long didn't read version of this whole thing is anyone who's been paying attention to PHP for a significant period of time is not shocked at what's happened, and everyone has just resigned themselves to well, this is just kind of how internals is, and it's if you can't if you're not willing to slog through all that stuff, then I guess there's no point in contributing. So. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a damn shame. So let's uh, let's switch to a much happier topic. the uh, The summer of funkiness um, is yeah. There you go. I, I guess it's just about over now. I guess you did your little yeah. you did your little summer tour. Uh, then I'm reading our list of conferences um, that happened since we last uh, almost two months ago um, spoke. So uh, you had OzCon. There uh-huh. was um, I don't. Did you do Open Source Bridge? That was before, okay. so I had already done okay, so, done. so we had yeah. OzCon, you had Distill, which was an yeah. awesome conference in San Fran. Um, mm-hmm. You spoke at, what's Prompt? I don't seem to remember that one. So Prompt is actually a thing I'll talk about a little bit probably after the conferences, and that was something that was actually sort of announced at Distill, but it's a it's a uh, thing um, that Engine Yard, oh, our fine sponsor did Engine Yard. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, my God. Engine Yard, uh, yes. Fine purveyor. Trailblazers of platform as a service. Yes, um, uh, I think it's a cool thing that Engine Yard and really spearheaded by spearheaded, hated, spearheaded by Eamon Leonard, um, who uh, uh, you know founded Orchestra and um, just a great guy, and he really kind of put his money where his mouth is, I guess, or at least his company's money, and um, and has uh, spearheaded this effort to increase awareness of. Uh, issues of mental health and mental illness in the developer community, which, uh, so that's the basic part of prompt. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit, but that was started at distill. So it kind of makes, you know, we talked about it, that that's where it kind of got, it got announced publicly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the other conference that I did for that was Madison Ruby, which was in Madison, Wisconsin. Right. 
home of uh, the University of Wisconsin Badgers. And uh, that, yeah, so those are, so I did those three conferences, and that takes me up to, like through the end of August. And then since then, I, uh, I actually did end up traveling some for work. I was expecting to at least take a month off of not having to go anywhere. But uh, last week I went to Boston for a couple days for work. Uh, so, uh, so that's 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 kind of what's been going on. Otherwise, I'm trying to stay home and catch up with all the stuff I haven't been doing over the summer. And I and I saw on Twitter because um, we're both Twitter whores. Uh, yep. That you were uh, tweeting and retweeting comments that were uh, sent to you from doing your talk, um, and it's mm-hmm. it's really good to see that um, the awareness where people are. I mean, it's squeaky chair time. Sorry, and um, squeaky chair. Yep. Uh, that people are. It, it always seems funny when. Not I'm not no I don't think funny is quite the word. I'm not sure what emotion should be left to when people, when I see you tweet about where people talk about, they didn't realize there were other people like them feeling that way. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of a shame that some people have through circumstance been kind of isolated that way and not, oh, yeah. and, and thinking that no one else feels like them. And uh, uh, like I said, I'm not sure quite what the proper emotional label I want to attach to what my reaction to that is. So um, a little bit, right. of, a little bit, I guess it's a comedy, like a little bit of disappointment that people were unable to realize that they're really, it, like there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with them. They just, they have a problem and there are people out there who are more than willing to help them with that problem. Yep. And the raising awareness, especially because like we've talked about this before, you know, being a programmer is one of these ju- tasks that's really well suited for people who uh, like to be alone. They can just pound away at the keyboard, doing stuff, working on stuff, cranking things out and not having to interact with people um, unless they want to. So, um, yeah, uh, I- yeah, it's a it's a place where you can kind of it's easy to put barriers. And a lot of times I know I found this to be the case that you find yourself more comfortable oftentimes expressing yourself sort of behind the curtain a little bit of, uh, of like internet communications as opposed to, you know, talking in, right, being right. in a uh, meat, meat space. Um, <laughs> meat space. Uh, yeah. You know what you're saying about, uh, about that. Um, the first thing is it's, I, I, you know, I used to not, I really didn't like, um, making, uh, uh, retweeting stuff about myself because I, th- I think it seems really tacky or about a talk that I gave, but I sort of felt like like this issue was more important, so I had to kind of get comfortable with that. So that's why I keep doing that, even though I'm still sort of ashamed by it. <laughs> um, uh, but um, what I oh I was going to say was it's a very common thing that people that people who um, have a um, some uh, let's, let's let's put it. I always sort of like this term is what non-normative psychology. Yeah, um, I think that's a good term, right? Yeah. yeah, which is which is you know, there's obviously there's some debate about some folks. Who, you know, how do you define an illness, and are you really mentally ill versus I'm my brain just works a little differently than yours, and that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. Uh, and I think there's a lot of things you, you could say about that, and we could talk for hours about that. But the point is. Um, I think it's a really common thread that at least people who've dealt with conditions like I have, which are, you know, my things are depression and anxiety and, um, is that they feel like, uh, they, they feel very often feel very alone. They don't feel like this is something that other people are dealing with or that, 
they don't they they often feel like they don't have people to relate to and i you know and i that stuff who 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 can say yeah i i'm i have similar problems and this is how you know we can talk about it and i understand what you're going through and there's a couple things because i think that that i think that contributes to this loneliness that tends to worsen those kinds of things and cause more and more problems. That feeling of being like emotionally detached from people around you, right. even if they're near, even if they're physically nearby, feeling like you don't, you don't really, they can't really relate to you feeling like they don't understand you. And that is a, that is something that is hard to describe, but is psychologically just devastating if you feel that way because you just feel so fundamentally alone mm -hmm. and not understood and it is there are some people who i guess are okay feeling that way but i think the vast majority of people aren't like that and and, and i think have a lot of trouble with that and that's a hard thing to deal with um but uh, you know i felt exactly that way when i was a kid i mean and up until should i mean probably until i was 30 <laughs> maybe and then uh and it, it, i mean probably a little you know it got it's been getting better uh probably in my late 20s but i mean for a long time i felt that way or i felt like there was just something broken with me and and that i was sort of made wrong and i was never i just didn't think it was ever going to get better and and people didn't understand it just it, it just seemed like I, people couldn't relate to what I was going through or I always screwed stuff up and it was just inevitably going to go bad. Um, and I keep hearing the same kinds of things. Right. And, and so I think a lot of that has to do with this, um, feeling where, uh, you know, when you're going through something, when you're dealing with things like this, is it, you know, and how, what are the kind of reactions that you get when you have these kinds of things? And, and, uh, when you have these kinds of things going on and are the reactions that you get people being sort of empathetic and understanding and trying to ask more about like, you know, Hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And things like that and understanding the right questions to ask and this kind of stuff like that. Or are they kind of like, do they kind of say stuff like, and, and sometimes this works for, for lots of folks to say, no, nah, it'll be okay, dude, don't worry about it. Or Hey, just, you know, calm down, you'll be fine. And the problem is that that stuff doesn't work. And then because you keep hearing stuff like that, um, you figure people just don't understand what it's like, what I'm going through. And that's a really, you know, if you, if you take that to, it's, it's you know, extreme and that's happening like all the time, that's a really hard thing to deal with. So I think that's why I feel like, you know, I keep talking about this and I keep hearing more and more people say that. And I think that that's well, the awesome thing is that, I feel like I'm helping those folks understand that it's okay. It's okay to talk about it and that they don't have to be scared of that and that there are other people like them that they can, and that, that, that we understand and it's okay and we can talk about it. And I, you know, I can't offer, I don't try to offer solutions or anything really. I try to talk about things that have helped me sometimes, but I just try to basically get, if you can get to the point where you feel like, there's not something fundamentally broken about me, but what there is is that I have things that, you know, that deal with my psychology and, and, and that some of that may be chemical, some of that may be purely, you know, maybe psychological causing things or whatever, or psychology causing things. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it's okay. And this is not something that it doesn't mean that 
I can never cope okay, and there are other people who are going through the exact same things I am. And we kind of feel like we that, that it isn't like that. And I think that that's, that's why people keep saying that, right? Yeah. Because that is their experience. You know, I know that was my experience, and <clears throat> I've learned further and further that I was far from the only person who felt that way. Um, that this is, that's actually super common to feel that way. And, and that we are happier and better able to deal with our, our conditions. The more that we understand that we're not alone and that it's that, that we are, uh, you know, that there are other people like us and that we can be okay. Right. 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 And so that's why I just keep talking about it. Right. Fair, fair enough. So let's, let's talk about Let's move on and talk about something too that I talked about before we started recording. So I talked about, uh-huh. well, cause I talked about very briefly that I've heard you give your talk. So I'm kind of familiar with it. So the thing I was more interested in were, what were some of the interesting things that you saw at, um, at OzCon, um, Distill and Madison, um, Ruby? Cause I know you joke that, you know, you just don't, you don't go to any other talks, but I know, yeah. I know for a fact that's not true, but no, um, I try, I, I try to. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, so what, what is, yeah. so what are some of the interesting things you, you saw at these conferences, like um, interesting talks or, or projects that you saw things that made stuff that you, know, that you thought, Oh, that's, that's, that's kind of neat. Um, I'm trying to think. So I'm thinking back on, on OzCon and, um, you know, it's it, the thing that that's uh, at least. Gosh, it sounds. This is a real hard thing to deal with. When I go to conferences, a lot of times it's uh, you know it's a matter of balancing time where you you want to visit with people or you want to maybe visit offices or see people or folks want to talk to you or you just are tired and I want to not want to do a bunch of stuff or then you go to see talks right and that's that's like balancing that time is is kind of hard because I'd like to just sit and see all the talks but I also want to. You know, there's a lot of times these are the only chances I might have for a whole year or more to see people or things like that. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of a, I guess it's not a bad problem to have, but it's, it's a, it's a consideration when you're thinking that. Um, and so it's definitely gotten been the, it's been the case that I probably see fewer and fewer straight talks. Um, I, uh, but let's see at OzCon, the thing I didn't attend many talks, but what was probably interesting was that, um, it seemed like uh, attendance was really good. Um, like it seems like it's kind of up, and like they're uh, they're what they oh the the like uh, the, the, the the exhibit exhibition hall that's the word I'm looking for mm-hmm. the exhibition hall was like super full, um, and so that's probably a good sign at least for the health of that conference. Um, uh, which is which is nice. I still I think OzCon is a good conference, although I, I still have a little conflicted about how expensive it is. But I still think like if you can go, it's a really it's like one of the only places I found where you can like totally indulge in your polyglot nature, right? And like learn about a ton of different things and like sample tons of different stuff that you might not come in contact with normally. Right. And that's what's so great about OSCON because you can go and you can be like, I'm going to go to this talk on Python. I'm going to go to this talk that deals with PHP stuff. And I'm going to go to this talk that talks about like some, you know, uh, uh, 3d, uh, UI engine that's open source. And I'm going to go to this talk. That's like, the, uh, once again, the future of Perl six. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to go to this talk about like what's going on with like the Thunderbird project or things like that. These are, most of these are actual talks I've gone to at OzCon. And 
I wouldn't have an opportunity. Like having all that in one place is really great, right? And that's that's what's so great about that conference. Um, it was interesting that, and I guess not surprising, but that the big, f- like fat middle of the exhibition hall was super dominated by everybody's cloud platform stuff. Um, like the open stack stuff. It was the, it was just, just, that was all they're doing. Um, the only, like the only say like hardware vendor that I saw who was, was there was HP and like HP, I think was actually like, you know, there and saying, Hey, buy servers. But they were like the, they were the only folks. Um, I saw Ford was there <laughs> talking about like how to like, you know, talking about like building apps on their cars. Um, I think it was Ford, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it was nice to see the... Uh, I talked uh, some and, and, and had, had good discussions with the guys who do... If you remember Enyo, which is a... like a uh, Open-source pr- gaming platform thing, right? Well, it's not a game thing. You're, you're right thinking of... Um, it's a console, it, that, it's console that right? That Android thing. No, no, no. This is a framework. Enyo is a framework. I think we're thinking of the... How do you pronounce that? Oyuwa? Oh, okay, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, right. And that well, was like a Kickstarter thing. So Enyo is was actually the sort of second gen. Oh, Palm thing. Palm thing. Yes, yeah, that, that came out of WebOS, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a really good. Uh, I still think um, it's a really good framework for doing front end application development in JavaScript, and um, and so now. Uh, LG owns WebOS, and because uh, they bought it off of HP for like a dime and a, a stick of gum, and um, the uh, so they also got Enyo with that as part of the property. But it's still Enyo is an open source project. Um, it you can build for lots of different platforms on it, like in one code base. It, it'll you know run on a bunch of different stuff. It's really pretty cool, and they seem to be healthy and doing well, and that was encouraging because it was, like, nice to see. I mean, there's still people working on playing on WebOS, and apparently that's what LG wants to do is to build apps on top of their hardware in, you know, using WebOS and Enyo. Um, okay, that's kind of so interesting. So that's great, and I, I hope that that does well, and I hope people still find WebOS, you know, that still does well. I mean... For me, it was interesting as a phone platform, right? So I'm not as interested in it as like a television, but that's just me, right? But um, I think Enya is still a really interesting platform, and you could use that for a lot of different things. And uh, I think it was really good to see them, you know, looking healthy, uh, like the project looks healthy, right? And uh, and that that was good. That was one of the things that I remember coming away from that. That was a that was a really good thing. Um, I also got to visit. Um, a friend of mine and Mozilla has some new offices in Portland, and they had some really they had like a fancy new refrigerator in these new offices that oh, yeah. you could yeah you could put like a a cup or a bottle under it like where you get water, but it would somehow magically know exactly when to stop so it was full. Oh, that's kind of cool. You just stick it under there, and like it would just fill it up and stop. And I don't know how, I don't know what magic they used. To do that, what demon logic? But uh, you know, that's that was the other big thing I think I got out of that trip was the was the refrigerator. And um, oh, is that Julian Edelman who just got destroyed? That was pretty cool. Um, sorry, I'm watching the football game. Handig. I know Handig. Um, 
So, so that was kind of what I, at least I got out of Ascon. I think other people probably got other stuff out of Ascon. Uh, but that, that, you know, that was, uh, that was kind of what I came away with. And it was, uh, it was good. And then I got home like, uh, that, like on a late on a Saturday night, like probably one in the morning. So it was really Sunday morning. And I started feeling not good. And I was sick for like a dog for like three days. So I think stuff started catching up. Yeah. I, well, yeah, stuff was catching up with me, I think. Right. And so I got over that and then I had to, I had to go to distill like in a week and a half. So I went to distill, had to, oh, it was so rough. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, like I, I, other people would be like, I really want to go there. And I'm, I'm complaining about it, which is kind of dickish. But, um, so I went to distill and that was a really, that was a cool experience because that's a new conference and it's a new conference for them. And, you know, uh, it was in, the San Francisco winery, which is on treasure Island an Island out in the Bay. Um, and it was a cool venue. Um, the toilets only stopped working once. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, and, and there were actually, it was a, it was a cool sort of, again, a, a multi language, uh, and multi, uh, it wasn't just a technical conference. They talked about sort of, Obviously, you know, my talk that I gave there uh, was uh, what you'd call a soft talk, I guess you'd say. It's not, it's not a technical talk. Um, and they had some other stuff that was kind of along those lines and, uh, or about, you know, it might have been about, say, development or things like that, but it was very much um, in line with, uh, you know, uh, sort of thinking about how we do stuff as opposed to, like, let's teach you, you know, how to build this exactly. It's not, you know, not a te- heavy technical thing. Um, and they had some really good keynotes. Uh, the one I really liked the most, um, was Nolan and Brent Bushnell. And you probably know Nolan Bushnell. Yeah, um, one of the, the guy from, um, Atari and then more surprisingly created Chuck E. Cheese, which is hell for parents. But yeah. Yes. Um, mad, mad but, props to Nolan for that one. Yeah. Heaven for children and hell for parents. Um, Hang on just a second. I have to take a drink of water. You have to fill this time. Do, do, do. While Ed talks about it. Do, do, do. While Ed talks about it. Having a drink and talking about rubbing shoulders with cool people. Okay. Yeah. And I, uh, I did shake his hand and that was nice. Um, and I, uh, so it was, uh, again, like Nolan and Brent Bushnell. Brent Bushnell is his son and he's done some stuff. Uh, they've done some cool stuff where like some kind of, uh, carnival with fire and like killing machines to teach kids about um science and art uh and get them excited about it which i thought was pretty cool um so they talked a lot about that about like what like what they you know like what as a father and son they sort of their experiences were in 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 keeping like imagination going and keeping excitement about things going and and that resonated to me a lot because I have a you know a ten year old and and I think about those things a lot like uh, well I mean, he's got to be excited about stuff you know sort of academically but also like is he being creative and is he you know is he doing is he building stuff or just kind of lazing around and watching things and stuff like that and you know of course not so I'm I'm super paranoid about that stuff um, and uh, they talked a lot about that and that's that sort of resonated with me. Um, there's also a good talk from one of the guys who started up Coder Dojo, which is a thing to teach kids. Um, 
about programming, kind of get together a little, a small, like, you know, group in your community to get kids together to talk about, um, uh, about how to code and sort of just get them started, but do it in a, uh, in a, a fairly laid back environment. And, uh, that went, uh, that was really cool and got me excited. And I'm going to see if we, if it's kind of a matter of getting this, find the space and stuff, but I'd really like to be able to do something like that here, uh, here in Lafayette. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, so those are the things that stick out in my mind. And then, um, there was the other big thing was that they announced, uh, engine yard announced their prompt, um, project, I guess, or their, what do you, whatever you call that? Uh, yes, their, I guess it's a project of sorts. Uh, and it's a, it's a engine yard is basically, uh, trying to, uh, raise awareness about, uh, issues of, of mental health in the, uh, developer and tech communities. And, um, so you can check it out at prompt.engineyard.com and, uh, kind of talk about, like, want to get in contact with people who are talking about these subjects and figure out, like, what, you know, some, some things to, uh, help people understand, you know, what, if they want to go speak about these things, like what they can do and, and also, um, provide some money, uh, to help people, help fund people to go speaking in different places. Um, and, uh, so I and, uh, Greg Bouges and, uh, Bagus, Bagus, ah, Jesus, I'm an idiot. He's going to hate me. Greg, uh, Bagus, uh, and, um, John Dalton are the three guys who are listed on there now. But I mean, this is really sort of the, I guess I'd say the brainchild of, uh, of Eamon Leonard. And, uh, so he, he got excited about doing that. And that was a super cool thing. Um, so if you check out prompt.engineer.com, that's, uh, you know, kind of where things are starting off with that. And, uh, I think that was a really cool thing to do where, where they're sort of, uh, like I said, putting their money where their mouth is a little bit, you know, saying this is an important thing and let's, let's use some of the, some of the influence we have to, to do some good. And I think that's really cool. Cool. No, that's, that's a really, when I saw that, I was like, wow, I, I felt the same way that you said that Eamon really decided to go all in, push all the chips on the plate. And, and I know that we had conversations, uh, um, that you and I had a conversation with Eamon before distill and how, uh, how we talked about engine yard was, was, uh, you know, going to help you out to make the, the open sourcing mental illness tool, uh, tour a success, right. By, by, you know, very generously agreeing to help defray some of your costs. So, so Mm -hmm. if, if this whole thing is, uh, is, uh, is the result of the efforts I've, I've said about, I said this a few times on Twitter and I'm going to say it again on the podcast because I don't think I've s- said it. Um, I feel very proud and very happy that, um, what started off as just two kind of grumpy experienced developers shooting the shit about whatever they felt like talking about, um, has morphed into really building awareness in something that really is a problem and, uh, that, uh, anything that we can do to help people out is an awesome thing. Just, just starts with a little podcast and people talking about stuff, and now it's morphed into like a really organized effort to help people who are who are what was that phrase used? Non-normative. 
What was that right for you? Nam Nori of psychology. Nam Nori of psychology. Helping people who are just, you know, just tweak just a little bit differently from the rest of us. Um, help them feel okay and accepted. And if they need help, uh, to help hook them up with people who can't help them. So that's really cool. So Madison Ruby. Yeah. I, I yeah. actually have a Madison Ruby t-shirt that I got from um, Elizabeth Naramore um, oh, yeah. that I like to wear when I'm around other programmers because it's like uh, it, it's a silly silly Rubyist um, loops are for kids so it's like a box of Fruit Loops on the front of it uh, nice. made by General Matz because it's like a Ruby joke so it was uh, you know a bit of foreign territory for you to go speak uh, in front of a bunch of Rubyists uh, Steve Klabnik was there wasn't he when you was he there when you were speaking yes yes, yes he was I don't um, think the, I, the Skrillex I think... of the Ruby world. Yeah, that's about right. No, he's just a skinny guy with part of his head shaved. That's about it. You know, if that makes him that, I guess that's that's something. But uh, yeah, he's about probably about as close as you're getting. Um, uh, but yeah, actually, I saw him talk, and that was good. Um, you know, so so Mass and Ruby was a was a cool conference. Um, it was a little scary at first because I didn't really know anybody. Um, but I did know some people. But it was it, it, you know, obviously I was I was a little nervous at first. Um, but I saw I uh, saw Greggy B there, Greg Balgus and uh, Balgus. Oh, how pronounce <laughs> That's twice now. Um, I know. I uh, Bagus, Bagus, Bagus. Oh, he, he's going to be so mad at me. Um, no, he's actually a super cool guy. Uh, so I saw him and uh, uh, met lots of really awesome people, and met some people who I've only spoken with uh, online, and that was really cool. Um, and uh, Ash Dryden was there, and she was super helpful in, like, helping me get around and, and basically being my friend when I was scared at first. Uh, and that was really cool. Um, so it was a two-day conference and a, I think a pure single-track conference. Um, and and that's those are always kind of nice and a little different, but nice because you just get to sit there and watch people. And I kind of like that. I like, uh, because you, I, I, I'm probably in a single track conference. I'm more likely to sit and watch stuff. If I have choices, it always seems like I pick neither and don't go to either one. But, um, if I, if with these single track ones, I always seem to, to go to more, go to more of them. So, um, they had a real good mix of some stuff that was technical, what would say purely technical. And then a lot of stuff that was, very non-technical, like they had stuff that was just fun. Uh, they had like in between sessions, they had a person like lead yoga, um, which I of course just walked right out of. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, they had like uh, a person who leads improv, like short form improv, uh, and kind of does that uh, sort of a team building thing, like lead folks in that. Um, uh, it was. It all took place in what I think looked like a playhouse, right? Um, kind of room, so kind of stadium seating, and you know, so down at the bottom is where you spoke, and it was like a small stage down at the bottom, and uh, no, well, actually, it was I guess it was a, a decent sized stage, really, um, but it was uh, it was good, and it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, it, there was stuff there that. Uh, um, I felt was pretty valuable, even though I don't code a lick of Ruby and, um, people were not super mean to me, which was nice. Although I didn't bring up what I was interested in. Um, and no, actually it went, uh, you know, it, it, so it was nice. It was a nice, really welcoming 
community, and it was a really great experience, actually. Uh, and I guess the other thing I got is it was probably the best. Um, I've had some, some 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 good ones, but I would say it certainly is probably one of, if not the best, uh, talk that I've given in this in terms of like how I felt things went at, uh, for this the open source mental illness talk and how I felt things went and how the audience you know reacted and stuff like that. Um, it's uh, so that was really good. I liked that a lot, and uh, it, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And there was it was there was just very little. There was no elitism or douchiness or anything like that. It was a really good experience. And, uh, and Madison's a cool town. Um, there's, it's, you know, it's a, it's like a progressive college town and, uh, it's got lots of places to eat and, you know, uh, there's like roads that you can't have normal cars on that are in the middle of the place so that, uh, you know, uh, vegans can walk across the street safely and <laughs> stuff like that. And it, it was, uh, it was really good. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good time. It's a, it was a, it's a fun place to go. Um, and I, uh, hope I get to go again next year. It was, it was a really, it was a really good time. So if you are, if you are into Ruby, it was a really great conference to go to. If you're not, I still found a lot that was valuable there. Although I think it's probably a little bit more, you know, it is a Ruby conference. Uh, but I still got a lot out of it. I thought it was, I thought it was a really good experience with great people and, uh, they did a really good job. One of the things that I thought was kind of cool was that they, uh, instead of having catered lunches, what they did was there's so many restaurants like right around where they had the conference that, and and apparently it works out where they they have they're able to like give you a ten dollar gift certificate for each day, and you could just go get your own lunch. And apparently the gift certificate like like you could get like two hundred restaurants in the area. Wow, that's like, really take cool. It. Yeah, so that was really neat, and it was certainly going to be a lot better than most of the you know place you know most of the time food at at things like this is not probably a highlight. Um, and uh, and it was uh, so it was good. And, you know, so you had a lot of, you had an opportunity to sort of like, like pick up some of the local culture, right? And, uh, that was really cool. So, so that I thought that was, you know, that was a neat, that was one neat little aspect of a lot of neat aspects of, of the conference. So I, uh, I like, you know, it, it's clearly, it's one of those conferences that you can tell they do it because they want to, they see this is the, culture that I want to have. I want to have a, a welcoming and safe and fun environment where people can be themselves and we can enjoy like who we are and the things that we love to do and help each other enjoy those things, right? And help each other learn, you know, both pure skill stuff, but also like how to be happier people, I guess you'd say, right? How to, how to you know, how to enjoy yourself more and how to, how to, you know, uh, be successful in that sense of like being a, a happy person, being a, a mentally healthy person and emotionally healthy and stuff like that. And, um, without sounding too cockamamie, they clearly love and want to do that. So they decided to make the conference that they wanted to be at. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's really cool. And, uh, and I, I really, I have just a ton of respect for those folks, uh, for, for doing that and putting that time in. Cause 
it's often thankless work, you know, and, and so they clearly uh, just really feel strongly about it and put the time in. And I think that's really cool. That's really cool. So I liked it a lot. Good, man. That sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, it was a good time, man. Yeah. <sighs> so what did you do? You worked? Yeah, but in the last two months, yeah, basically. And played softball. You worked and played softball. softball. My softball league's uh, playoffs are this coming weekend. Um Ooh. So what we do is they have, well, it's been this week. We played a game on Monday. They do, so there's 12 teams in the league, two divisions of six. So you do like, right. so you do like a round robin thing. Yeah. And then the, the two teams with the best record plus tiebreakers, which is based on run differential. Yeah. Um, the top two will then on Sunday afternoon play, uh, in the championship. And then they have the consolation one. The second place, the two second place uh, teams play each other for the Constellation Championship. A couple, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I was on the Constellation Championship, and I showed some great sportsmanship by um, striking out and swearing and flinging my bat against the backstops. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but so that's a good time. You know, so yeah. that was a good time. Uh, and also, I got a massive sunburn as well, where I was, oh, sweet. where I was um, like flaking for like must have been for a good month. Um, complete. Oh, yeah, I didn't put any sunscreen on, so that was kind of dumb. Good job. Yeah, that was a good job. <clears throat> so this year, uh, the team that I'm on, uh, we finished first overall. We only lost three games out of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a bunch of rainouts, but I think we went 17 and three. So, um, good. really good team. Probably the best defensive team. And when you play slow pitch, defense is everything. It's oh yeah, the difference between like you know you, you give. I mean, it's not that hard to hit the ball. Um, right. Uh, so if you give teams multiple chances to score runs, they generally will. So we won our first game. Uh, and so our biggest, the, the game that we think is critical is one that we have tomorrow. We have tomorrow uh, at like six, at 645 we have to play. And then we'll have two games on Saturday, one game on Sunday. And if everything goes uh, according to plan, I will be getting um, filthy drunk and celebrating uh, a league championship on on Sunday night. That's awesome. That's be, really I'm, awesome. I'm forward to. That's why I keep playing because, like you know, because uh, this is my seventh year playing in this league. So um, that's why I keep playing because it's with a good bunch of guys. And the playoff weekend is always always fun. And we just the thing is we just we tell we're trying to tell each other let's just keep doing the things that we did during the year. We're a good team. Don't put any pressure on the fact that it's playoffs doesn't mean anything. Just keep playing, and we are, we're confident we're going to run the table because we've beaten every single team um, that we have to play. We've beaten them multiple times, so we, right. so we know what we need to do, and uh, and we're just going to do it. And every everybody on our team is healthy except for one guy who's our best player, who's a shortstop. His um, his shoulders are all messed up. He's a he's a plumber and electrician. And his he's messed up his rotator cuffs this summer. Is, it, is his name Lenny Dykstra? No, it's not Lenny Dykstra. Hold on one sec. Um, sure. Someone knocked on my door. All right. So while he's uh, away talking out the door, I was going to ask him about PED usage in uh, his softball league. PED? So. If by PEDs you mean like uh, uh, like drinking lots of beer afterwards, yeah, plenty of guys yeah. do that. Well, that probably reduces like pain, like your pain tolerance. Yes. <laughs> or increases your pain tolerance, I should say. Yes, and I don't. Um, I don't drink much at all. Um, did you drink before the games? Though? No, I, don't, I, I actually I don't because of my diet where I'm not supposed to trying to do the gluten free paleo thing. Um, beer is essentially bread water, so I don't drink much anymore. That's exactly why. It's, well, I don't like beer, but if I did like beer, I'd drink all the time because bread water sounds great. Yeah, it's it's basically bread water. Uh, game day salads, Matt Frost said. Yeah, <laughs> uh, game day salads. Um, so yeah, and so. 
And so at work, I got transferred to a new team, so I have to schlep into the offices in Toronto um, once a week. Uh, yeah, I have to take the GO train, uh, the commuter train. So mm-hmm. I'm leaving the house at 7.30-ish and getting back home around 7. So it's that same old grind that caused me to swear to never, ever work in an office full-time again. Right, so um, it's a fun 12-hour day. It, yeah, it is. And, I mean, so here's the thing, right? This is the, this is the thing where Chris treads very carefully in what he talks about. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this earlier. So the... It's an interesting project I'm working on, and it's a good bunch of guys. Uh, and now I understand totally, and Matt will, Matt knows a bit how Cinecor works because he works there too. I understand 100% why they transferred me over there and yeah. the, the reason why they've asked me to go work over there. So um, let's just say best practices have been a bit of a challenge. So, me, so you're a cleaner is what you're saying. Um not a cleaner more yeah like, i know i'm just I'm you know, trying to more like sure. reminding them of this is the way that we do things and if you want to argue and bicker well um i get paid to argue and bicker so i'm cool with that that so, is that is your bread and butter is arguing with people and telling them why i think they're wrong uh, mm-hmm. and then providing anecdotal evidence to back it up um Don't. so yeah so uh so i'm getting to do lots of stuff with python and the, the thing that's kind of frustrating is that the company itself isn't quite sure what to do with the project. So we start something professional curmudgeon. Yes, very much so. Uh, yep. So we start something and they get told, no, we got to go do something else. And then like today, this week, I'm uh, doing some stuff. And one of the things I was going to do was do some gear man workers to process uploads and package things, oh, up, yeah. package things up. And so I've been told, well, work on it, but don't get too deep into it because it still needs... Uh, approval from our architectural uh, we have like an architectural group at work okay. yeah. basically everything that we do kind of gets run through them to make sure it's all fitting in cohesively um, yeah. with this with the way that we do things plus our other systems so so in a way mm-hmm. it's kind of frustrating because I, I i get to work on stuff and plan things and then it's like yeah you're not going to work on this anymore so it's like oh yeah that, i can understand that that could that could be frustrating if you're like yeah, well, I mean, I I always feel like you invest a, uh, you know, you invest time and stuff, and you and so you take pride and and ownership in what you're building, and so it's tough to just let that go. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just toss that out, you know. And I understand why people have to do stuff, and and there's maybe good reasons why they you need to move to something else, but it, it's hard. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And like if so you care you know, about your your work, it's hard. Right? Yeah, it's it's one of these things where I like 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 I've told people. Uh, I express frustrate. What what I'm frustrated with is just um, uh, I feel underutilized right now, yeah. and I know that's going to change, but yep. it's not changing fast enough. And thankfully, I have I have uh, uh, working from home for so long. I've cultivated the skill of figuring out things to do when you're a little bit underutilized. So um, mm-hmm. uh, I have figured out how to basically how to set up a workflow that you always have something else that you can work on if your main primary responsibilities uh, are being underutilized. And no, I'm not talking about just surfing the internet endlessly at home. I'm talking about like in terms of work, like making sure I always line up. I always have side tasks at work that become my go-to thing. It's like, well, okay, this week I really only have two days worth of work on the project as opposed to five. So I'm sure I can scare up three days worth of work on these other things that are, that are kind of percolating and simmering in the corner. So, right, so yeah. you know, on the one hand, 
um, it would be nice to be super busy. But on the other hand, it's like I just feel like there's a lot of um, rug yanking going on. You'll work on something, and then, whoop, no, we're going to go do something else. And whoop, no, we're going to do something else. Because the company itself isn't sh- isn't 100% sure what they want the team to be doing. So kind of right. sort of frustrating. Yeah, I can dig that. Yeah. I can dig that. Yeah. Well, that's good. We're talking about that openly, then. Um, well, I mean, so it's no. Se- I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, it's no secret. Yeah. It's not like yeah. I just. I'm just very careful not to name specific names and specific uh, projects. It's just you know, it's like I said. My bosses, they know. They knew what they were getting when they hired. Yeah, right. When they hired of me, course. so there's no reason for them to. If anyone who I who is in management is shocked by the things that I say on Twitter, they clearly weren't paying attention. Um, when I got hired, so you know. Yes, absolutely. No, I understand. That's how I roll. Professional curmudgeon. That's what you got into. That's right. Well, you know, I think this might be a good place for us to wrap up. What I do think, you think? I think, and we, of course, I know we talked about about them before, but um, our awesome sponsors from Engine Yard, Trailblazers of Platform as a Service, uh, and the boys at the former Orchestra IO, which is what is it called now? Just. I don't. What, what did Orchestra, it's just Engine Yard? Is it just they Engine just, Yard? But Engine Yard, yeah. you know, they rolled it into Engine Yard's offering. But yeah, so yeah. if if you're looking for a cloud provider that runs, uh, can run PHP, Ruby, Node, uh, all sorts of other stuff too, um, and they were one of the first, and they're still one of the best in my opinion. And that's not just because they gave us a bunch of money. Um, check them yes. out, EngineYard.com, and also a big mad shout out to Eamon Leonard. Um, for helping Ed make his uh, the summer of open sourcing mental illness the humongous success that it was. I hope to run into Eamon at some point um, in the near future uh, so I can shake his hand and thank him for everything that he's done. Yeah, we've got to rough them up a little bit. Got to rough them up a little bit. and Got to remind them that their sponsors have to pay quicker than they've been doing. So, Because <laughs> yeah. that chair ain't going to buy itself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, I have plans to try to replace the squeaky chair. Uh, so this has been episode number 35 of the development. Has it been, was it 35? Yes, I yes. didn't even. I, I checked okay. before we went on. Episode 35 of the Dev Hell podcast. Um, you can find us on iTunes. If you do grab us via iTunes, please, 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 please provide feedback. Uh, we want to know what you like, what you don't like, and things that could improve the show so we can make it as awesome as it should be. Uh, you can find uh, devhell.info, the website. Every single episode is there, along with show notes for every episode. Uh, if you want to sit down and do a marathon one weekend to catch up on everything that you missed, um, there are not enough hours in your weekend to catch up. Maybe you can listen to it at double speed or something and hear us with high-pitched, uh, squeaky voices. engineer. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter, Grumpy Programmer, without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. Thanks so much to everyone who uh, hung out on IRC with us tonight, and uh, we'll see you all soon, and hopefully we won't have such a long gap between the next episode. No, we won't. Good night, Internet. Same. Same.